gnarliest, most radical guitar tone we probably have had on the rig rundown. Christian Limbaugh Horrors. Christian, how you doing? I'm great. Thank you uh, for doing this. I've wanted to do it for a long time. Yeah, and, and for our viewers, as we dive in here, they'll, they'll see it. They'll get an extra special treat because not only you got your awesome rig set up with tons of pedals and awesome noisemakers, as I use awesome redundantly, is that you're in the studio working on your new record. So this will be a, a good treat and reference point uh, as it goes in the future and comes out and you know everyone gets it blasted in their ears. Yeah, uh, we're super excited. We're almost done actually recording our record. We're recording with Ryan Bush who did Gold and who did Clean as well at his new studio in down in Tampa, Florida. It's called Candor Recording. Um, he just opened it um, like, I don't know, a couple months ago. And um, we're almost done recording. We've got, I have two songs left on guitar to finish in the next couple of days, and then we're done with all the basic tracking. Um, so we're getting there. All right, you brought up Ryan. Before we get into your actual gear, I think Ryan's a big crucial part of what you guys have developed as your band sound. Why do you guys keep uh, working with him, considering you're so experimental in your sound otherwise? Well, I think Ryan and I grew up listening to a lot of the same music. We were actually just riding around today, going to guitar stores in this area just for the heck of it, because I'm never down here, and talking about old bands. And we just have a similar sort of upbringing as far as like bands that we responded to when we were kids and stuff that we like now. And he understands what we're going for without having to talk about it a lot. And sometimes, like for example, when we do fly-in shows and people don't look at the, um, like the document that we send ahead of time that has like parameters for our gear, and they're just like, oh, they're a loud band and they give us like orange amps or 5150s or real gainy amps, which is the opposite of what I use. Mm -hmm. So we have to have this whole conversation. I don't have to do that with Ryan because he already understands what the band is about, like in a larger kind of sense as far as like what we're going for and how we're not like, we'll never have t-shirts with like skulls and flames on them and stuff and <laughs> no shade on those people. It's just not, it's not who we are. You know what I mean? Um, so I think we understand each other a lot. And um, you know, having worked on the last two records together, um, and then this new one as well, there's just an ease and comfort of like the hang, for lack of a better term, that we wouldn't have with a stranger, you know? Yeah. It's almost like he's probably become part of the band or at least, you know, like a, a consultant of the band. Oh, dude, I've said to him point blank, and he's in the next room, so I'm probably going to embarrass him, but like <laughs> I've said to him point blank that he's a large part of the, um, you know, limited success that we've had, but he's a large part of the success we've had so far, for sure. And that's not, um, that's true, you know, that's a true statement. Well, man, let's dive into your gear. I associate you live-wise with a, a 52 Esquire and single pickup. Is that what we've, because I can't really see with the Zoom call, is that what you That's played correct. on the way in? That's um, the guitar I'm playing right now. This is a uh, Mexican Fender 52 reissue Esquire. Everything on the guitar has been changed. Not because I wanted to change it, just stuff wears out and you have to change it. So um, I think what people usually ask about is the pickup for this guitar and because it's, Funny, funny enough, like I got this guitar to be my second because my I had a like a Telecaster American Standard that was my kind of A guitar. I needed a backup, so we started touring a lot, and I got this one. But when I got this one, the pickup that came with it was like 
half the volume on my other one. So a buddy of mine said, oh, I've got like a um, single coil pickup that's really loud that you can just have. So he gave that to me and now it became my number one guitar immediately. That pickup was a Schechter 500T. It's the Mark Knopfler Walk of Life Tele pickup, okay. which Schechter doesn't make them anymore, but Harry Husel in Germany makes them now. So that's all I play. <laughs> They're in every one of my band guitars are his, his pickups. So it's basically um, an overround single coil pickup and some of the wines are in, half of the wines are in one direction, the other half are in the other. So you can tap it if you want to. I don't have it tapped, I just have it on full blast. Um, a big part also of the Esquire is not, it's not a one pickup Telecaster. A lot of people think it is. It's really about the switching. Like this little, people see the toggle switch on it and they're like, what, why does it have a switch if it's one pickup? It's because it chooses different wiring. Like in the back position that would be just a Tele bridge position, it's um, on full blast and it's, it's uh, bypassed the tone circuit. So only the volume is active. So it gets a little bit of a volume boost. Um, in the middle, it's like a standard sort of tele bridge position where both tone and volume are active. And then forward, it again pulls the tone out of the circuit, but there's a bass boost. So it's really dark and really loud. So like that without any pickups, sounds like that. It's like really dark, but then you add fuzz to it and it goes, <laughs> see? So it just made, um, my bandmates has, um, his drums are set up cause we're gonna do some like Tom overdub stuff here in a second. And, uh, it makes the drums go, oh, when I do that, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> but it's necessary, because if you start with a really bright guitar sound, and then you put a really bright pedal on top of that, and a really bright amp on top of that, it's just ice pick city, it's horrible. Um, so it's really cool to start with a super dark, murky tone, and then you get all the liveliness from the pedals and the amp. Um, so that's my main guitar, is this, this guy right here. And then the... Um, the bridge is just some bridge from Amazon or whatever, because I like the three saddle um, sort of traditional ashtray bridges, but we do a lot of sort of bar cording, power cord stuff up high on the neck, like 10th, 12th fret area. And if you can't intonate each individual string, it's gonna be a mess. So I had to get one that has six individual saddles on it, but they're still brass saddles, um, which I much prefer the sound of, even though they're a little softer, so strings will sort of dig little channels in them and you have to I have a, like an emery board that I just keep in my road case and just file the little channels out every now and again <laughs> um the neck is like a, again it's like a pretty cheap neck it's I have markers on the back of it here for when we're playing uh dark stages I can still see them um it's like a mighty might like an 80 dollar neck there's nothing to it um it was just simple like when the original neck I messed the frets up on it from just going off like at show, being silly at a show and just like thrashing around and so it pulled one of the frets off of it and I was like, I spoke to my buddy who's a luthier. I was like, what does it cost to get a refret? And he was like, I don't know, over $200 and the neck, a new neck was 80. So I was like, well, that was easy. Yeah. So I just got a new neck. Um, it has the, um, what are they called? Hip shot, locking tuners, uh, bone, nut. And I think everything else is probably standard on this. Um, so yeah, this is the main guitar that I use, but I'm gonna grab this other one because this other guitar that I just had made is basically, it's a different body style, but it's basically the same guitar and it's kind of becoming my number one. Um, so let me grab that. Now, as you grab the other guitar, Christian, when you got the Esquire to replace or kind of supplement the, the, the American standard you had, 
Did you know that the wiring was going to be something that you were going to enjoy and you're like, oh, that, that extra bass boost and the way that the three-way works for you uh, was going to be something beneficial to the band or was that just a happy accident? No, much like my entire life. <laughs> I had no idea. I just want, I was like, I want a white Telecaster. And I went to the store and they didn't have one, but they had a white Esquire. So I was like, that's probably fine. I don't mess with the neck anyway. <laughs> and then I liked it so much that I converted my Telecaster to an Esquire, like wiring wise, not just taking the neck pick out, but it's an Esquire. This is also basically an Esquire. It's um, an MJT Telemaster body. Um, same like cheapo Amazon bridge <laughs> that has the six brass saddles. If I could find a fancy one, I would. Like I have nice, you know, quote, nice bridges like on some of my other guitars at home, but like I have to have the six saddles for the intonation. So it's the only one I can find that fits. So it's MJT body. Um, the fellow who put it together for me, Ryan Ashurst, an Atlanta guy, made this pick guard because the one that I got for it didn't fit. Um, the same pickup, that Harry Husel, um Walk of Life is what they call it, the Mark Knopfler pickup. The same like cheapo, Mighty Might neck, same locking tuners, same bone nut. So it's basically the same guitar. It's just prettier. <laughs> and it has like a, um, has a bevel like for your arm so I don't have to wear a stupid wristband because sometimes I don't like wearing them because they look stupid. But like when you have a guitar with no bevel on the edge of it, it just shreds your forearm. You do 35 shows in a row with no days off. It just shreds your forearm up and it gets gross. So. And plus it has like a tummy cut thing on it because it's a, you know, an offset style body. So I just love this guitar and it does the same thing. Like it sounds, it sounds just like my other one. I'll do another big muff blast here. So it's basically the same gnarly sound. It's just more comfortable to play. And it's like this super cool color. I wanted to get a gold one because I've been obsessed lately with gold and white. I don't know why. Um, it has nothing to do with our last record. I was going to say, because your last like, record title. <laughs> I, yeah, but that was, had nothing to do with like the actual precious metal. That was a totally other thing, but I don't know what it is. So I was looking at all their different gold finishes and the, you know, big Fender fans. So all the Shoreline Golds and, you know, the, the Inca Silvers and all the metallic stuff. I just love, but this finish is called Starfire Gold. So it's kind of like a... It looks to me like copper or something or like gold that has anodized a little bit or rusted or oxidized, I guess is the term I'm looking for. So it looked kind of worn in, much like myself. <laughs> so I don't know. I just, I just love the way it looked. And um, I have played this guitar in the studio on more than, more than half of our new songs. So I'm really liking it. It's really comfortable. Now, when you do overdubs to bring up the, the studio session that you're in, now, are you switching between other guitars or do you just kind of use the two that we've seen so far as like the main the main rides. Yeah, that's exactly what I do. I use the Esquire and this Telemaster for like the, we basically start with the super heavy parts of the song mm. and get those tracked first so we know. We were talking about Jim Maskus the other day and he's a big proponent of find the ceiling. And once you know what the ceiling is, everything else needs to come down from there because you're not gonna be able to go higher than that. So, which a lot of people don't really understand. They just and then what they end up doing is just compressing the signal more and more and more. And it ends up doing the opposite of what they want. It ends up getting quieter. So that's a bummer. But um, so we get the loudest stuff first. And I'll do that with either this Telemaster or the Esquire. And then we'll go in and do, you know, verses and bridges and little dropout parts, intros, outros, stuff like that. Um, and I generally 
we'll, we'll also use one of these guitars, but if it's something special, I've got a Gretsch here that I use um, on a lot of that stuff, and I've got a 66 Fender Mustang. Here, I've one at home too, and the one at home is like, I love it, it's one of the Daphne ones and it's beautiful, but it doesn't play as good as like the kind of crummy one that I have. <laughs> Not because it's crummy, I don't know what it is, man. And they've both been set up, you know, or looked after, but and the one I have has been refinished, which sort of hurts that someone did that to that guitar at some point, but yeah, so, well, and I have a, also have a really, crazy looking guitar that I should just show you because it's crazy. Yes. Um, a friend of mine, I had knee surgery recently. We were on tour with Cult of Luna, an uh, incredible band. They were so nice to us. And while we were on tour for them in Montreal, I fell down at the end of our set and I snapped my ACL tendon. Ooh. So I was at home, like, well, we finished that tour. I just did it sitting down. Um, and then I had surgery and stuff and I was just at home looking at gear online, like everyone does all the time. And I saw this guitar that I'm about to pick up and I posted it on social media, like, look at this crazy guitar, it's so cool, I love it. A buddy of mine messaged me a couple of days later, he's like, hey, you know that guitar that you um, posted, I bought it. And I was like, oh, that's so rad, I'm glad somebody I know got it, it's such a cool guitar. And he was like, no, I got it for you. And I said, oh, well, I, that's cool, like, but I don't have, I mean, I just had the surgery and I don't have any money, I can't work, we can't tour yet. He's like, no, you understand, I bought it to give to you. <laughs> so a buddy of mine bought it and gave it to me. So let me grab it. Yeah. So this guitar is insane. This is um, a BC Rich guitar. I just knocked this microphone. Oh, man. So it's crazy, right? Yeah, I saw that online on your, social, on, on your Instagram. It's so crazy. Yeah. I love it. It's so heavy. So I remember seeing Kim Gordon from Sonic Youth playing this Mockingbird style when I was a kid and thinking it was like such a badass move to be in like an indie band but playing like a, essentially a hair metal guitar. I thought it was the coolest thing. Um, so I got this. He, my friend, his name is John Cooper, I should say. Coop, thank you for this guitar. I got um, put P90 pickups in it. Um, it's incredible. It's so heavy. I was thinking about putting one of the EGC aluminum necks on it, but there's $700. Dang. <laughs> Those necks are, and it's already like too heavy to wear all the time. So that would make it so much worse. But so I brought that one too, just because I wanted to have a P90 guitar here. And I don't know, it's nice to have, we refer to it as flavor crystals <laughs> when we're recording. So like little bits of feedback, pick scrapes, all that kind of stuff is essential to the process of recording our band. And so you want a lot of options for that stuff. Well, right on. And what about tuning? I know that typically, or a lot of times you live in drop C. Is there any other tunings you use? It's pretty much drop C, so C, G, C, F, A, D. There is a song on Clean, our second record, that is that same tuning, but the low C is dropped to a G. So it's two Gs, uh, octave apart. So that, and then on, we just did an ACDC cover that's coming out later this year. Um, and we tuned way down for that. That was what we call the torch tuning, which is basically standard, but then you drop the low string to A. So it's two A's together, yep. just an octave apart. Um, Bill Callaher from Mastodon, shout out to Bill. Um, played the solo on that, on that song. So that's, I guess that'll be out later this year at some point, but it was really fun because we, Again, like we were speaking about that Sabbath song earlier, same guy's putting it out, Magnetic Eye is the name of his label. Um, Jad is his name. Uh, 
like we didn't get to pick the song. He just said like this. Well, he gave us a choice of two because again, it was like late in the process, and he generally doesn't like to do back to back artists on two releases. But he was speaking to someone else that said, "Oh, the Horrors dudes are huge ACDC fans," which is true. <laughs> so he said, "If you want to be on it," and then so uh, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say what song it is yet, so I'm not going to say it. But um, we had to learn this song, and it's really out of our like style mm -hmm. the way they kind of play like chuck berry kind of traditional rock and roll and so we just like made it like a quarter speed and tuned it down an octave <laughs> and it worked out great and i love the way it sounds it's cool um so yeah mostly drop c but for a couple of and it's that's really just out of necessity because like i don't want to carry more than two guitars on tour because it's already kind of a pain to lug all your stuff all over the world and until we have somebody lugging it for us which may or may not ever happen I'm gonna stick with two guitars, you know? That makes sense. Now, I, I know around Clean, and maybe this has changed, and this will be a topic of discussion anyways, is that you had stated that you use light picks and heavy strings. Is that still the case? And if it is still the case, what do you, what do you like about that imbalance that provides your tone and your, your I guess, your, like how you play? Yeah, I mean, I've experimented with a lot of different stuff as far as gauges on both strings and picks, but I use the .60 picks right here, and, uh, 13 to 56 Diodario, the NYXLs. Um, I like to hit really hard. Like I never had lessons or anything and I, I would have liked to when I was a kid. It just kind of wasn't an option. So I just didn't. And um, I don't really play with too much precision, unfortunately. <laughs> so I ended up just hitting them really hard. And if it's a really thick string and a really light pick, you can still hit it really hard and it won't go sharp. If you had lighter strings or a heavier pick, it would dig in more with the same amount of force and the string would sound sharp before it settles into something that hopefully is in tune. And then by then you're on the other note. So yeah, it's a, a necessity thing. Like I think most stuff as like over the top as some of my gear stuff is, it actually started as necessity, you know, and just kind of, I just kind of made work what I had, you know? A lot of times you hear some of the most creative sounds based on something like that, that's either out of necessity or, or the limitations that they have upon themselves, whether it's money or time or whatever it is, sometimes that's the, the way to be most creative. I totally agree. You have to have like a, we've talked about this explicitly too. I have to have sort of a box to work in. Like we, I give our songs names before they have lyrics. So when I sit down to do it, I already know sort of uh, what, what fits and what doesn't. Um, and I, I, I impose limitations on myself because otherwise you're spoiled for choice. And there's, I'll get like, I wouldn't call it writer's block, but you know, I, there's, there's too many options. So I need to have it narrowed down. So you like to go to, let's say like a, a, a very short menu rather than a buffet. Cause you might be overwhelmed. <laughs> sure. I mean, I saw, I was watching that, um, Jerry Seinfeld Netflix show that comedians in cars with coffee or whatever. Yeah. And. He had Will Ferrell on and they went to this, you know, cafe or diner or whatever. And there was a menu with like a bunch of pictures on it and like 200 items. And <laughs> Will Ferrell's like, you know, when it has a lot of menu items that it's going to be good. It's like the sarcasm was coming through the screen. Uh, yeah, dude, I, I think it's yeah, I think it's the move to have fewer things for sure. As I look down at my pedal board with a thousand pedals on it. Yeah, well, you know, there's contradictions are all over in life, so we'll get to that point soon. But let's talk about your amps. I know that you're typically okay. a Marshall guy, and but there's a new surprise that you had, a, a new addition. Yeah, yeah. So I mostly play Marshall Super Leads. Um, 
Again, it's just because I had an JCM 800 and it was only 50 watts. Or no, it was a JMP. Um, it was a 70s Marshall and it was only 50 watts. It was cool. It was like Bob Bradshaw had modified it, so it was real gainy. But I don't like gainy amps. I like clean amps. Um, a buddy of mine had a super lead and it was 100 watts, so I traded him my JMP and $100 and poof, I have a 100 watt super lead. Um, so that's pretty much what I play. I've got. Um, this one on my left is, it's either late sixties or early seventies, uh, tech who works on it isn't sure because someone who owned it before me scratched the serial number off of it. So no, please no one ever steal my amp, please. It means a lot to me. Most of my equipment, I don't really care about that much, uh, as far as sentimentality, but I love that amp so much. So that one he thinks is a 68, but it's, I think it's probably a 72 or 73, but whatever. It's a hundred watt super lead. I love it. Um, and then the other one on this side is also a super lead, but it's one of the reissues from the early 2000s, um, also a 100 watt head. I lower the preamp gain in both of them by using 12AT7 and 12AU7 preamp tubes instead of the 12AX7s. So it, like we were speaking of um, when we started, so the amp itself doesn't break up. It's really clean and almost dark sounding. So when you hit it with fuzz, the the difference between the two actually makes it really clear and also when i get like any kind of amp growl from really hitting it with like the big muff and the clean boost together um you're hitting sort of the output stage instead of the preamp stage so that's like the acdc tone is making the output uh, tubes buckle but you can't do that unless it's really really turned up loud um so that's pretty much it i've got this the the two cabinets, um, a buddy of mine just refinished the grill cloth on these. They look beautiful. Um, the Tolex doesn't look so great. That's because we've played plus minus about a thousand shows so far. So I went and looked at it because I haven't like archived or whatever. Mm -hmm. So they've seen a lot of use, but um, they're just regular Marshall like cabinets. They have the 75 watt selections and all eight speakers. Um, and then just before we came down here, I got uh, this Silvertone. Um, 1484 that I've wanted for a long time. Um, Bill, who I just mentioned a minute ago, has one at his studio where we recorded that uh, ACDC song. And I've just wanted one for so long. They look so cool. Um, I don't have any kind of Fender-y style amps that have like the, the sort of pronounced lows and highs, but not a lot of mid-range because Marshalls are all low mids. Mm -hmm. um, so I saw it and a buddy of mine, or I saw it on on reverb, oddly, and then a buddy of mine uh, said, oh, that dude actually lives in Atlanta. So I went over and bought it from him for nothing. Like I got, a, I paid about half of what they go for because he just wanted to get rid of it. Was it functioning? Um, oh yeah, the reverb works, the trem works, like it had brand new tubes in it. Uh, I don't think it's got a cap job yet, but it'll probably need one soon. But yeah, I'll play a little bit of that. That has a, um, a beautiful tremolo on it. Um, I keep the, I had it on standby because it's a bit, it's a bit noisy, but the tremolo is really pretty. It's like this, it's like this nighttimey, um, like Twin Peaks vibe. I really love it. Um, I don't have anything else that does that, so I don't know. And we have used it on, on some of the like flavor crystal parts um, <laughs> when we want to get something more clean or something just sort of smaller sounding. We've used it a bunch. Um, I can't really turn it up too loud. Right now it's on like maybe 
three or so. Um, if I tune it, if I turn it up louder than that and hit it with this super beefy pickup, it will buckle a little bit and like um, rattle a little bit. I mean, the reverb tank is like the tiniest thing in there. It's ridiculous how small it is. <laughs> um, so it just rattles because I don't know. I put a lot of oomph in front of amps and it just it hurts them. So I try to be nice to it, but. Yeah, I've wanted one for a long time. I'm really happy that I got one. Now you touched on the the low output or low output uh, for the the preamp tubes. The way that you kind of counteract that. What do you use for pre uh, power tubes for those Marshalls? Oh, those are all EL34s. Um, I used to use Svetlanas for a long time, but um, they the Svetlanas that are available now aren't really Svetlanas. They're kind of uh, a different company that brands them as Svetlanas, <laughs> which is a bummer. I also use those EI tubes from Yugoslavia for a while, but you can't get those anymore either. They're, they're factory shut down. Um, so I've been using either um, Mullards or um, Tungsols for the EL34s pretty much exclusively. Yeah, those two. Cool. Well, I think this is the time where uh, you kind of take the reins over with your pedal boards and just talk to us about your gear how you use it, and, and you know, I, I know there's probably loopers and switchers in there, so just kind of detail everything, and then as you go along, Christian, just kind of fire it up and let us hear it. Okay. Um, so, basically, I have two loops. This is much more complex than I use when we tour, because I would usually just use like a board this size when we tour, with like maybe 10 pedals on it, give or take. Um, so always though, my signal is in two loops. There's like the A loop, which is basically all of this stuff. Um, and then there's the B loop, which is basically the Big Muff and the Zvex um, show pedal that are both on at all times. So like right now I'm in the, I'm in the A loop. So like, it's like a nice overdrive tone. But then if I wanted to switch to like from the overdrive tone to like the big muff and the show, I would have to turn the overdrive off and then turn on the big muff and the show all at the same time. And I can't do that. So <laughs> I got this Loopmaster switcher and I keep breaking them because I just, I did the math on them. If I switch basically to the big muff, the B loop for like the chorus or whatever in a song. So that's probably three times a song. So say you do a 10 song set, I'm stepping on that switch 30 times every single night. So they get, they get worn out. Those, those, um, switches aren't really meant to take that kind of abuse, but so if I have the overdrive tone, a little bit of growl, and then you're playing that and you hit the switch, it goes, turns the overdrive off, turns the big muff super hard on, on. So overdrive, big muff. But then you go right back and turn it right off. Um, it's pretty great. So. The A loop is basically for overdrives, and I have a lot of experimental kind of stuff in here now. Um, but I always have a fuzz factory. <laughs> Love fuzz factory. I've got four of these now. <laughs> and uh, we just started talking to Zvex um, about doing a pedal for our new record, like a sort of a they suggested it, which I'm crazy flattered by it because like he's kind of the OG as far as like boutique pedal stuff goes. Mm -hmm. And I will, I will always, as soon as I got a fuzz factory, I'm like, well, I'll have one of those for the rest of my life. It's like the big muff. I have the, um, 
green Russian uh, bubble font Big Muff, and I played all of them. I played all the good triangles and ram's heads and the tall font, the Civil War, all the clones of all of those, and the bubble font Big Muff, the Sovtech one, is the best. I just love it. It's so beefy. It's crazy. Um, so I'll just go through it really quick in the, the A loop. So the switcher is uh, first, which is this little guy here. And then from there, I go into the fuzz factory first, because as a lot of people know, they don't like buffers in front of them. So it's first. There's no buffer in the switcher. Um, and then this is a Jex Teles white pedal that I just got for a really good deal. Also, I saw one online last week for $1,600. Holy and shit. I paid, Holy yeah, it was like one of eight of 10, I think. So I got. This one was in the store for like $300. I think they didn't know that they've jumped up in price. Maybe they're not on the internet that much, but, and I paid, I think 250 for it. But the last one I saw before the $1,600 one was I think 800, Damn. which is ridiculous, but it's a really cool pedal too. It's essentially a fuzz, but it has like a filter in it. Um, Get that coctois sound, which I actually use a lot of that coctois sound. Um, well, I was gonna say that you had the idiot box uh, kind of like co collaboration you had that had the fuzz and the filter. Yeah, that's in my B loop because um, I use that for like a crush kill sound too. So I'll turn the big muff off. Um, so. so that's the fuzz and the filter. It's just the fuzz. Very gated. The guy Matt who runs Idiot Box is the coolest. He's the nicest guy. He has really cool, really crazy designs that are like super over the top. And I just <laughs> love it. He's not trying to make like an amp-like overdrive for like the lawyer blues lawyer crowd. He's like, he's not that guy at all. So we naturally get along really well. Um, what do you like about the fuzz? What do you like about the fuzz and filter combination, Christian? Because I know that it is such a big part of your sound. Well, I like going from the Big Muff is, you know, bass and treble, essentially. It's scooped. It's like a V-shaped, um, like EQ or whatever. But then when you go to the like a fuzz, it already notches the middle. And then if you use a filter with the fuzz, it's a really notched middle. <laughs> so it's basically like you're doing this with the Big Muff. And then like the, the fuzz and the filter like does this. So it like, it jumps out. And if you just played the Big Muff the whole time and that was like the rocking sound, people would get like fatigued by it and it just wouldn't be, it wouldn't sound intense after a point. So you have to kind of like focus people's ear by using a lot of mid-range basically. And that's what the filter does. It, uh, yeah, it makes the Big Muff sound that much more bassy and um, they're very, very drastic differences. And you can't stack them and do that. It's got to be separate things, you know? So that's why the switcher, like, comes in really handy. Um, I have a Sputnik by um, Spaceman that I just got. And right next to that, the Automaton from Jace Bliss. Both of those pedals were bought for me by my better half. Hello, Alex. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I was, I was floored. I told Alex that I've never... When I, she got me the Automaton for Christmas last year, I've never received a gift that nice in my life. I was like, I never thought I'd like even see one of these, let alone play one or play one or have one. And like, I was just floored, dude. And I've used it on 
half this record too, if not more. It's an incredible pedal. <coughs> it does like a. Um, sorry, that was a, that was a Sputnik. Um, it does like a nice overdrive, but it also does like a really nice fuzz. It's incredible, and those are just the stock settings. Like I haven't even really tweaked them too much from, you know, because there's three different banks of settings and ten settings in each bank. It's nuts. Um, just your basic boss tuner after that. And then the loop, um, this stuff over here on this side is kind of like stuff that comes in and out for recording. So another one of Matt's pedal, this um, power drive is uh, from Idiot Box is Matt. And then this is another buddy of mine who, Tom Cram, who used to work for Digitech and he came to one of our shows in Salt Lake and gave us some Digitech stuff. And then he left Digitech DOD and opened his own company, Spiral. And this drive is incredible. Um, I should play that. Really nice, really natural. Um, next to that, the Sick As by Bondi. I love that pedal too. When I got this Automatone, I kind of was like, well, maybe I don't need this Bondi because it's like a really nice pedal and it's sitting on my shelf and I could use $200. <laughs> and then I brought it to the studio and like we've used it a bunch. It's that's. Again, pretty natural drive sound, you know? Beautiful, I love it. I usually use a gate with these two. I just have it turned off for right now. Um, and then the top row of, there, of that board is the Swarm from Beatronics, but I just got buddy of mine, um, Tom, who owns the studio where we did the ACDC cover, um, West End Sound, has had one of these, and I borrowed it and fell in love with it. I use it in one of our new songs. Um, next to that is a basically a Zonk machine that's made by uh, Mike Savage, who owns Seahag Effects. He's made a ton of us, a ton of pedals for us um, in the last few years. That's incredible. Another Jextel is the Dizzy Tone uh, version four, which has the um, OC44 in it for my fellow nerds. Um, Can you go back to the Beatronics and the one after that? Because I'm not familiar. I'm not familiar with either one of those, like in terms of what they do or how they sound. So the Beatronics is not plugged in right now, so I can't really play it, unfortunately. But it's sort of it's similar to the um, to the PLL, the Schumann PLL oh. pedal that JP Justin, who's in a ton of bands, San Diego dude. I'm sure you know him. Um, he turned me on to that sound because he used it a bunch in the Locust, and then he uses it. He used it in um, well, he didn't play guitar in Retox, but uses it in Dead Cross also. Um, so it's like a fuzz with the crazy like harmonizing um, uh, oscillator. And so it has octaves on it and fuzz and like, it's so bonkers. I just love it. Uh, Earthquaker has something like that called the data corruptor. That's kind of based in the piano. Yeah, they sent me one. <laughs> we, had, we got a data corruptor and a gray channel from them. They're super nice. Um, I used that data corruptor on that Sabbath cover actually that we talked about. That's the data corruptor. Um, yeah, that's a killer pedal. And then the Zonk machine, the Sea Hag, that's just this guy who came up to us at a show in I think Columbus, Ohio, and just handed me a pedal and was like, here, I made this. And I was like, oh, this is cool. That's cool. And then I handed it back to him. And he's like, no, I made it to give to you. And I was <laughs> like, okay, stranger, I will take this pedal. And it was actually really rad. It was a clone of the um, Sam Ash fuzz. And then we've just communicated and I'd be like, hey, I can't afford a buzz around. Can you make one? And Yes, he can, and he'll send me one. Same thing with the Zonk machine. Like they're, you know, thousands of dollars, and like, 
even the clones are still, you know, $500. So he made that and I've used it on two or three songs. You have some really cool, creative, uh, gracious fans. You're not kidding, dude. We get, yeah, you're not kidding. I, I don't know that, I don't know, man. I don't want to be falsely modest, but it's like, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel like you're touching people when they want to do something for you and they don't get anything out of it other than the good feeling of doing something for you. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, this guy is the Your and Your from um, Montreal Assembly. I did like a short video on Instagram going through my pedal board and I actually misnamed this and I feel really bad about it. So I wanted to say this is the Your and Your pedal and it is by Montreal Assembly. <laughs> I said something else. Anyway, this pedal's crazy. It's a fuzz and the tone kind of works as a filter. It almost has like a ring mod kind of sound to it. It's rad. Um, so then it goes back uh, to more kind of traditional stuff. This AC booster is an overdrive. I love it. It's been on my board forever. It's kind of like a meat and potatoes overdrive. Uh, I keep trying to take it off my board. And then I go, man, I really wish I had that sound. And it comes back on. Um, next to that is the Keeley Nova Wah, which I've had for a long time. And that uh, basically is doing, before I had my own pedal, the, the one that Matt at Idiot Box made, I was basically using this filter with a fuzz pedal like this. So it's basically a cox wah, um, and it has like a toggle to choose the, how the bass responds, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and then two different filters, so you can have two different settings and toggle between them. I have a noise gate next to that. I've wanted one of these for a long time. It's just the original NF1 Boss noise gate. I don't really like noise suppressors, but when I was a small fry and I was getting into like Steve Albini and all that stuff, he had one and I never knew what it did. I thought it, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, it's a noise gate, so it must make noise or something. <laughs> and somebody saw it on my board recently. They're like, oh, kind of trying to like talk trash on it. Like, oh, noise gate, like they just don't understand that if you want to like have a wild sound, you have to know how to control it, man. It's not just wild all the time. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Man. So that thing is really useful. Um, I have a mini, well not me, I guess it's called Micropog next to that. Uh, I use that a lot too. Um, Somersaults, which is sort of a chorus, sort of a vibe from uh, Caroline. Um, that's a great company too. They make great pedals. Uh, Philippe came to a show in I guess it's Columbia, South Carolina, where he's from. And we spoke a bunch. And when I was asking the internet about vibrato, he was like, dude, just get a somersault. So that was that. Um, now, how do, you, how do you use that? Because it's such a, you know, his pedals are so unique and, unique and have their own, like, kind of thumbprint. But how do you use that? Because it's not like you're a, a you know, tremolo, vibrato-rich band. Yeah, well, um, this is... That's, I have it set like kind of a seasick sound right now. So we do like some kind of like pixies, like like those seesaw kind of notes gotcha. um, with some gain. So, I mean, it's, it basically is like instant 80s, which I love. Yeah. Because as much as I love like Tad or Melvin's or whatever would be obvious, I'm a big fan of The Cure and... Uh, you know, Bauhaus, and I basically wanted to be Daniel Ash when I was like 14. Um, so I love all that stuff. It just, you might not hear it in our music, but yeah, it's just instant 80s. Um, 
Then I have an AMT wah up top, this little fella, um, which I don't really use too much, but again, whenever I take it off the board, I wish it was there. Um, and then I have a freeze pedal, which I've been using. I use it when we write, really, a lot. Like, so if I'm trying to figure out how to do a chord progression, I'll get like the root note and like freeze that. Like. So you get that going, right? It's just the one note. And then you go, okay, what can I play? That fits with that. So I use it kind of like that. It's not really a looper, but kind of is. And then I use it live, like between songs, just do a big wash of feedback and then just freeze that note so I can switch guitars or tune or whatever. Um, Radical Delay 2 Plus from Alexander that I kind of use as a filter also. Like, I have the time all the way down. So it just kind of sounds like really like a filter. Again, it's like 80s, instant 80s. That sounds like a little metal box, like Gary Newman kind of style stuff, which I love. Um, and you know, I probably wouldn't have these on my board if it weren't in the studio, but it's just so I have stuff. If we want to do something weird, I can call it up right away. Um, BitQuest right next to that, which I'm really just using as a delay. That's a great pedal though. It does so much more. I just haven't sat down with it really enough. I got this Echo Rec right next to it from a store in Atlanta called um, Atlanta Discount Music. They will all the time have stuff in there that's like really priced fairly. And I saw it for nothing, for like maybe 130 bucks or something. Mm -hmm. And I just bought it because I was like, I know they're worth more than that. And then I ended up really liking it. It does weird, like, like the repeats are like, what is that? <laughs> it's not like regular delay. I'm not even sure what it's doing. <laughs> but I don't know. I thought it was cool. Um, this uh, Stargazer is a, um, is a reverb pedal and has two different, um, two different reverb settings, so you can toggle between the two. I've got like a really long one or a really short one. And that's again for like studio stuff, doing single note stuff if we just want a little flavor. And a lot of times we'll record stuff that's sort of tucked underneath what you're actually hearing. Mm -hmm. And there's like, I'm a big My Bloody Valentine Loveless fan, of course, like any guitar player worth their weight. Um, so I love doing stuff that's there, but not in the foreground. Uh, so that's kind of what that's for. Um, Earthquaker, Hummingbird next to that. We did use trim on this, on the new record on one song. Um, the Ditto Looper, which is just for live. We have a song that ends that sounds like a record skipping. So I basically play a bar or two of that, grab it, and then just let it go on and on and on. Sometimes like Melvin style, like let it go on longer than it should just to sort of annoy people. <laughs> um, I don't know what that impulse is and a lot of performers have it, but I don't know. Um, and then next to that is a clean boost from um, Cusack, just the more louder. Um, and then over like on my B board where the Big Muff is, I have an original Pog that I use on this recording a few times. Uh, the band pedal, this horse pedal, which I love. I just got this little pretty guy. It's a um, Zvex also, it's a, a um, box of metal and it has a gate on it too. That's pretty, pretty crazy sound. It's pretty crazy. I love it. Um, and then next to that, I have two Debbie Ever pedals, the Sodomizer, which is like the best super fuzz I've ever played, even though I've had like the fancy ones and like they're okay. But for some reason, 
that sodomizer is I don't have it plugged in again I'm sorry but <laughs> it's it's a rad pedal and then the bit um, next to that which is also her and then this stuff up here is just switchers so I can basically feed more than one amp there's it's off the shelf stuff it's just a Morley switcher and a um, uh, loop master just you know one input two outputs it's like pretty basic stuff I think that's it. Now, how are we hearing today? And then typically, how are you running live with the two marshals on stage? Are, are we hearing both at the same time? And then is that reflective of uh, uh, onstage stuff? Yeah, they're both on at all times. Okay. Um, I go into the low input on both of them. So on the A marshal, which is this guy over here, um, I'm in the low input of channel one. And that's been internally jumpered. So volume one works as like, I think volume and treble. So that's on about two. And then volume two works as volume and bass, and that's on about five. Um, and then the other one, the reissue one over here, I also go into the low input, but it's the low input of channel two, so it's crazy dark. It sounds like, why would you want to use that sound? <laughs> Basically, until you wake it up with the big muff and the show, and then it's just like fire breathing craziness. Um, yeah, and like, we're, like I mentioned earlier, if you have that, that gainy amp sound already, and then you try to put a big muff on top of that, it's gonna sound like garbage, man. It's not gonna like, and not in a good garbage way, like just sound poor. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's weird that I kind of stumbled upon that stuff randomly, but it works, it works really well. I mean, I'm not a particularly gifted guitar player. I'm not being, again, falsely modest. I know I'm not, but I don't care either, yeah. you know? I like, I just wanna play in a band. I wanna play guitar. I love fuzz pedals so much and just like big, loud music is like nothing else on earth makes me feel like it so that's what i'm doing and it's kind of working out so i'm just gonna keep doing it well man it's funny because uh i'll give a shout out to ross who's already had his rig run down here with burial waves is that you were the first guitar player on his podcast for rigs of dad i know brian cook was his first guest but you were the you know he was plays bass for russian circles and botch and these aren't the snakes but you're the first guitar player and you had a really good comment about you guys are talking about pedals and you said you know I know people are gonna see this, just like they're gonna see this rig rundown and think like, you don't need all that. And you're like, I don't, I know I don't need all that, but I want it. And I think that's just a great attitude to have. Yeah, it's totally correct. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, sometimes more is actually more, you know? Like it's, it's necessity is like just the dumbest argument in rock and roll in the first place. It's like, uh, yeah, I, Ross is the coolest too. We just kind of met, randomly met um, just through playing shows in DC and Baltimore. And then he sort of, a couple of years ago, sort of told me like, like, like on the sly, hey, I'm the Riggs that's ad guy. And I was like, no way. Because <laughs> I, I already was followed. I already knew, like was following, like everyone following it, you know. And then we did a, the first Riggs of Dad show in Nashville at Exit Inn with Iron Reagan. And uh, this band, Oh Brother, is another Atlanta band. Um, so that was really rad. Yeah, he's the coolest man. That guy's awesome. Now, I'll ask you about your gear, and I know this is different because you're in the studio and these aren't, uh, you know, typically this is for a stage show, uh, the way we do the rig rundown. But what would you say is your most complex sound in terms of like actual applied to a record or a song that people can maybe get an actual, because so far we kind of just ripped through the sounds and maybe each individual pedal, but what's like a, what do you think is your either most creative use of your effects or most complex, you know, most pedals involved? Well. I mean, I think it really is the switcher situation because like the, the Big Muff plus Clean Boost together, both coming out at the same time, is literally on every song that this band has ever written or recorded or played live. Um, and once I figured out that I could get a switcher and turn them both on at the same time and turn the other stuff off, it 
it's kind of how this band started because I grew up, you know, the loud, quiet, loud Pixies, and then of course Nirvana doing that on a steroid level, um, which I love. Uh, it, I felt like I had figured something out. I felt like I could do something that other people couldn't do, or I could at least maybe do it better than they did it. Uh -huh. um, so that's like, it's not complex really. Uh, I love it though when, on, and I've watched a thousand of these rig rundowns, I just love them. Um, I love it when people have, just have racks and racks of gear and 600 amps and people handing them guitars and they're like, it's a pretty simple rig actually. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> that's a ridiculous thing to say, man. <laughs> um, I don't even remember what you're talking about. Oh, like complex pedals. I don't usually use a lot together. The only thing together would be the muff and the, and the, the clean boost. Um, and I did use a black eye by Earthquaker for a long time as a clean boost. And the show actually has the same basic guts, the same MOSFET um, transistor in it. So it sounds sort of similar. Um, but yeah, I, I, I generally only use one pedal at a time, whether it's a overdrive or a, or a fuzz for verses. Um, and like I said, my board is generally a lot smaller than this when we tour. <laughs> I'll always have the switcher on my board. I'll always have an overdrive, always have a fuzz factory, and then some sort of wah, like cocked wah filter thing in one loop, and the other loop will always have a big muff and a clean boost in it. That's about the minimum I can get away with. Uh, and when we tour also, I've got like a little mini kind of rig that if all my stuff goes out, I don't have to troubleshoot it. It's just a muff and a tuner and an overdrive. I can get away with that too. Um, you just have to like the, do the Jamascus thing where if the muff is the loudest, the overdrive needs to be not as loud as that. So when you hit the muff, you really hear it. Cause it, with bands with more than one guitar player, if you play a big muff, you'll disappear in the mix, man. It just turns into noise. Um, yeah. Now you, you, you know, classified and I they hate like putting boxes and labels on things, but you do one of the things that people describe you guys as a noise rock band, as you said, Melvin's shellac, that kind of delineation, Jesus lizard. So like scrapes, squeals, slides, everything that can be corrosive to tone and purity is used in your guys sound. But one thing that I think that you use really creatively in like a song like baby teeth or I'm an amateur at everything is feedback. Now I don't know if that's I don't know if that's a thing that you can replicate in the studio right now with their current app settings, but I, I just like for you, oh yeah. If you could describe or show us how you use feedback in a in a musical kind of way that isn't just, you know, raucous. Even though it is raucous. Right. Well there's there's you know, there's like the high pitched feedback that's not musical. Yeah. And then there's a particular note that feeds back and you can get it to kind of cascade into another note if you kinda of know how to and then you can also like connect the headstock of your guitar to your cabinet and hit a note and that'll give you a different kind of feedback. So that again is the big muff and the clean boost, but so you just play a single note. It's that one. Just kind of like you kind of have to have the gear to do it i keep killing this one amp i just heard it go out again it's happened a bunch that's i don't know what needs to be done to it but it's just you feed it that much crap it's gonna die eventually um yeah it's making noise right now but uh yeah it is we do that a lot where we'll just like get oh it just died we'll just one note going and then just ride it through the whole song and then when we're recording and then like you know bring it in as needed um 
just because we're a three piece. And a lot of times we need sort of another element um, because we're not a three piece like Cream or ZZ Top or Jimi Hendrix Experience that are all like monster players. The whole vibe of our band is about the simplicity and the intensity of that simplicity. So we're not going to betray that by like, you know, this is my Mixolydian. Like, it's just not happening. <laughs> um, and I actually like, really like that stuff. I just, I can't do it. And I don't really want to spend my time learning how to do it either. So, you know, it's not what our band does. Um, I'd say there's plenty of other guys that are already doing that. So you might as well do something different that you're better at. I, I think so. And I think probably there'll be guitar players, um, who see this and they're like, why is that guy getting a rig rundown? He can barely play or whatever. But it's like, it's, I mean, I honestly feel like when rock music gets a little too fancy that it kind of gets ruined. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of supposed to be the, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I love Eddie Van Halen. I love Stevie Ray Vaughan. I love all these monster players like anybody who plays guitar does, but rock and roll is kind of supposed to be the kind of the people's music. It's not classical music. It's not, you know, this, this, magical unattainable thing it's kind of supposed to be for everybody so i like like the egalitarian kind of mindset for like so one of the reasons i love acdc because it's like right up the middle you know i don't know something about that stuff just speaks to me on a level that's like bigger than music you know just as a person cheap thrills man acdc cheap thrills man <laughs> oh it's so good it's so good now before we leave christian i do want to ask and maybe you touched on it and it, it wasn't you know explicitly stated is what would you say is like a, a, a secret weapon or like a, a kind of a, a rose to the top during your recording session, a, a tool or a pedal, or, you know, maybe it's the new Silvertone amp that you're really thankful that you had on this session. Yeah. The, I've had most of the stuff that I brought to the studio I've had for a little while. Um, with the exception of the automaton, which is just amazing. I can't say enough. I mean, I know they're a thousand dollars and that's like, kind of crazy um i hate to say it's worth it but it's worth it man uh so many good sounds like i because ryan um you know who we mentioned before is in the control room and he can't see what i'm stepping on or choosing and i'll say like all right here's three different choices and like most of the time it's if we're doing overdrive stuff it'll be the automaton i mean that thing is just incredible it does so much and like when you get a stock sound that you like you can if it's good, but maybe not gainy enough, or it doesn't have enough treble, or whatever it is, you can adjust it in tiny bits, and then you can save that preset. It's like, and you can call it back up anytime you want. I mean, it's just the craziest thing. I just love it so much. My, my bandmate Casey, um, who plays bass in the band, was saying like, it's gonna get to the point where you, all you need to do is bring a guitar and that pedal, and that's it. And I don't think that'll ever happen, but that would be awesome. <laughs> Well, man, if people want to check out what you guys do, whether it's, you know, on Instagram or, uh, you know, YouTube or, you know, hopefully live shows sooner than later, what, where can people yeah, keep track? Yeah, we're starting to book. Yeah, where can people ch keep track of you and then whenever they can maybe hear this new record? Um, Instagram's probably the best. It's just horse band, um, all one word. Uh, and then we're on everything else. We're on, you know, Facebook and Twitter, the websites, um, horseband.com. Uh, we've got a couple shows coming up here in... I guess October, yeah. Um, just a couple one-off shows, and then we've got an Australian tour coming up next year, and we just started booking both US and European headliner tours for next year for when the record comes out. Um, I assume the record, like with vinyl, you know, COVID and everything making vinyl stretch out, um, we're looking at probably a spring release for this record okay. of 2022. 
Yeah, that's, I think that's reasonable. Well, right on, Kristen. I really do appreciate you. I know this has been a long time in the making. We've been kind of crossing paths and trying to make this work. And I, I actually am really thankful that it worked out this way. As much as I'd love to share a beer with you, you know, old Chuck Suckle style, uh, I'm glad that we're able to do it in the studio with all these tools at your disposal. Yeah, thank you so much for doing this. I've, Like I said, I've watched a lot of these and been like, I've wanted to do one for so long. So thank you so much. Hell yeah. Thank you guys out there. Stay safe and keep rocking.